Welcome to the From the Flats podcast, brought to you by AT&T, your destination for the latest in Georgia Tech athletics. Hear from the experts, including media covering upcoming opponents in the ACC, former Georgia Tech letter winners, and the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network crew. Now, here's your host, Wiley Ballard. And welcome back for another episode of From the Flats. Uh, Wiley Ballard as the Yellow Jackets return home this week to take on the Clemson Tigers. An age-old rivalry between the Yellow Jackets and the Tigers uh, gets renewed this Saturday. We're thrilled to be joined by uh, one of the Clemson beat writers, uh, Matt Connolly, who writes for the state newspaper in South Carolina, kind enough to spend some time uh, leading up to this Georgia Tech and Clemson cross-divisional clash. And Matt, this is uh, beginning your fourth year on the Clemson beat, which means you've seen some pretty good football, and we're thrilled to have you. Yeah, I have. It's, it's been fun kind of covering each of the last uh, few playoff runs. So glad to be on with you guys and, and excited about the game Saturday. Well, three straight playoff appearances, as you alluded to. In fact, since Georgia Tech last beat Clemson, which was November in 2014, Tigers have won 46 of their last 50 games. And like we said, three consecutive playoff appearances, a couple national title appearances, and one win in 2016. So, Matt, first question I have for you is how does the 2018 version of Clemson compare to what we've seen in the last three years? Yeah, well, Dabo Sweeney said going into the year that he felt like this is the best team that he's had um, just from an experience standpoint when you look at the the four All-American defensive linemen um, that are returning and then depth as well. Um, You know, everybody talks about the two quarterbacks, obviously, but they really like their their two or three running backs that they have. They played nine receivers in the first quarter uh, last week against Georgia Southern. Um, and then defensively, you know, they've got some young talent on, on defense behind those top four with guys like Xavier Thomas and K.J. Henry. Um, and then linebackers, they're, they're really deep, too. So maybe the one area con- of concern so far is the secondary. Um, and they got tested a little bit at Texas A&M. But, but overall, they really feel like this is the best team that they've had. Well, the first words out of your mouth were those four defensive linemen. That'd be four returning All-Americans, Cleveland Farrell, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, Austin Bryant. I'm not going to ask you, you know, if there's a weak link there. It's pretty clear there's not. <laughs> uh, but I am curious, this being the, the third option team that Clemson has faced this year, along with Furman and Georgia Southern, a lot of the rhetoric uh, tech fans and tech players and the whole staff will hear going into a week against a team is, you know, guys will complain, oh, they'll block you low, or oh, they'll – you know, that cut blocky, that type of stuff. I'm curious, do you hear a lot of that from, from Clemson's side of things, or is it a space where they don't really concern themselves with that because they do have so much talent and confidence? No, they, they definitely um, are concerned about the cut blocks and that, that kind of stuff. Um, it was funny, Brent Venables was saying yesterday in practice that, that they really encouraged the scout team to get after the guys um, and, and cut them and try to simulate what Georgia Tech's going to be able to do. You know, obviously Georgia Tech does it much better than the Clemson scout team can do when they run that triple option. Let's jump to the other side of the trenches with the offensive line. Just from reading some of the coverage and some of the, the quotes uh, out of Clemson the last couple of weeks, it seems that if there's been a, a hiccup offensively, it has been some of the offensive line. And I'm curious, you know, in your uh, objective take, is that a case of legitimate concern or do you think that's more just nitpicking um, from fans who wanted to see the scoreboard a little more lopsided this past weekend against Georgia Southern. Yeah, I, th- I think it is a concern if if you look at Clemson as kind of a national title contender. Um, you know, the reason I think that, that they didn't maybe play as well as they wanted to last year against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl was it started up front um, and offensively. 
they just really had a, a hard time blocking Alabama's defensive line. Um, so that was the area Clemson really needed to improve. You know, last week against Georgia Southern, it took them four downs to score from the two-yard line. Uh, they they ran it up the middle three consecutive plays and got stuffed three consecutive plays and finally went for it on fourth down and scored. Uh, but that was something Dabo wasn't happy about. He actually took out the entire first-team offensive line after that to try to send a message. Uh, everyone across the country, including Georgia Tech fans, knows the name Deshaun Watson. Uh, obviously, they saw Kelly Bryant uh, last year in his first year as a starter. But when you look at the, the season box score for Clemson, it's kind of hard to tell who is the starter between Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence. Bryant, graduate, uh, very experienced player. He's got 400 yards passing, a couple touchdowns this year. And then Trevor Lawrence, who the freshman from Cartersville, Georgia, he's got 400 passing yards and five touchdowns. How does Dabo Sweeney deploy them, and, and who sees the field more often? Yeah, I mean, so far this year, Kelly started every game, um, and, and Trevor's kind of played, and, and it just kind of depends on the game as far as who plays more and that kind of stuff. Um, at Texas A&M, you know, Kelly got the start, played okay, played decent in the in the first half, and Trevor actually started the second half. Um, and after two, three and outs, Kelly came in and finished the rest of the way. Um, and this this past week, Kelly got banged up in the second quarter against Georgia Southern. Um, and so Trevor played the rest of the way. So it's just kind of been a game feel so far, kind of how it's played out. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned the stats are pretty much identical. They're calling plays, you know, pretty much the same when those guys are in. Um, Clemson has done a lot of RPOs this year. And so Trevor maybe lets it, lets it fly a little more on the RPOs than Kelly does, uh, just trusting his arm strength and kind of trying to get the ball into some windows and that kind of stuff. And he's he's taken some deep shots and been very successful. Yeah, Kelly Bryant, I know, banged up this past weekend. I've already seen the quotes. He says he's 100% ready to go. Any other injury concerns for Clemson? And, and are you taking Kelly Bryant at his word that he's good to go? Yeah, I mean, we we spoke with him um, Tuesday, and he seemed to be fine and, and seemed like, you know, he, he, he didn't really leave much of a doubt that he's going to be able to play. Um, so other than that, Clemson's pretty healthy right now. Uh, you joined the beat in the middle of the 2015 season for Clemson, and since you've been on it, uh, they've lost just four games. Uh, aside from losing twice to Alabama, that's a common thread in its own, but with the loss at Syracuse last year and then at home against Pittsburgh a couple of years prior, were there any common threads between those setbacks that perhaps Georgia Tech fans can you know, sit here and say, okay, if we're able to accomplish something like Syracuse or Pitt, uh, the Jackets could find themselves uh, in a ball game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think I think the main thing with with both of those games is nobody really saw it coming. Um, you know, Clemson was heavily favored in both games. No, nobody on the calendar um, really expected Clemson at all to to slip up in either of those games. Um, so when they've when they've had the big games with when game day's been in town, um, you know, when they've had all the bright lights on them. They seem to have I've always found a way to win, and if they have slipped up, now they've blown some teams out in these same situations as well. Um, but when they have slipped up, it has seemed seemed to be um, against an unranked team that not a whole lot of hype around the game. Maybe everyone expects them to win, and, and the other team's able to sneak out with a victory. Yeah, well, Matt, we appreciate your time, and uh, wish you a safe trip down I eighty five, and look forward to seeing you on Saturday afternoon. Sounds good. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks, Matt. Again, that's Matt Cottley. You can find uh, follow him at Matt at the State on Twitter if you want to get some more perspective from the Clemson side of things. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear from a former Yellow Jacket letter winner and one who had a big game, perhaps his biggest, against these same Clemson Tigers uh, a few years ago. This is the From the Flats podcast. Washington, he's going to keep it. Tevin needs a block. Got it. First down. Breaks free 40. 
45, midfield, Washington down the far side, 30, 25, 20, knocked out of bounds. At the Clemson 18-yard line, David Sims squared it early for him, and then Stephen Hill helped him out by picking up Bashad Breeland in front of the Tiger bench. Wow, what a night it was in 2011 as Georgia Tech knocked off number five Clemson. The man under center that night joins us now, Tevin Washington, a four-year letter winner for the Yellow Jackets, uh, starting quarterback in 2011 and 2012. And, and Tevin, we're thrilled to have you on here as part of our letter winner segment. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to uh, be on with you, Wiley. All right, well, let's go ahead and start with, you know, how you went from, you know, beating the or beating USC preseason number one in the 2012 Sun Bowl on New Year's Eve 2012 to now where you are as a, one of the uh, staff members for Georgia Tech football. Can you kind of give us a play-by-play -play from that moment, walking off the field of your final time, to now returning uh, as a GA for a couple of years and now a full-time employee? Walking off the field against USC, you know, was a was a big moment. First time we won a bowl game, I think, in a in a couple of years. Professionally wise, how I ended up AT and T was uh, was kind of through uh, you know through networking, afforded me an opportunity to join the company. Probably I say four or five months after I actually started AT and T, I reached out to Coach Johnson and just told him, you know, if there's ever an opportunity for me to get in coaching, you know, I love to uh, you know have your blessings and help with helping me get in coaching and told me he would uh, bring me on staff at Tech when something opened up. So when something did open up at Tech, you know, Coach Johnson, um, he brought me back. Well, why don't you go ahead and, and bring us all back uh, to October 29th, 2011, and to kind of paint the scene there, you had Clemson, who was coming to Bobby Dodd Stadium, 8-0 at the time, uh, number five in the BCS polls. Meanwhile, Georgia Tech, many folks don't remember, after starting out 6-0, and had actually dropped – two games in a row, and a, a lot of folks said, I don't want to say I had lost faith in that 2011 team, but all of a sudden some doubters uh, started to come out, and, and there was a little bit of uncertainty among the fan base. But what was that night like, not only to beat Clemson, but to beat them soundly in front of a packed house in Bobby Dodd Stadium by a final score of 31-17? to 17? Kind of like what you said. Uh, you know, we started off that season 6-0, and um, really on a high note, you know, the whole season. I think. Uh, up until that, the seventh game of the year was actually against Virginia. We went up to Virginia. Uh, we were ranked at the time. And, you know, the worst feeling in the world is a uh, opponent rushes the field on you when you're uh, at their stadium. So when Clemson came to town, you know, we were ready to go. Uh, offensively and defensively, uh, that game was a, uh, it was a special night at Bobby Dobb. Turned around two weeks later, that was the best feeling in the world to have our fans rushing the field because everybody counted us out going into that game. So. To go out there and prove everybody wrong, you know, that was the best feeling in the world. And then to be embraced by the fans, that, that was all the icing on the cake. Well, Tevin, before we let you go, I want to I close with this. I think, uh, obviously, some of the teams that get the most uh, praise and, and attention from Coach Johnson's 10 years are going to be that 2009 team and that 2014 team. And, of course, those teams are great. But I, I don't think uh, many truly appreciate what you were able to accomplish in your two years at Tech, aside from some of the individual records you hold, uh, the offense as a whole uh, in 2011 and 2012 on a points per game basis, those are two of the top five teams of Coach Johnson's uh, tenure at Georgia Tech now in his 11th season. And so I'm curious, you know, when, when you look back at your career and, and all of your accomplishments and, and those two teams specifically, how do you view uh, your time at Georgia Tech? 
Uh, overall, you know, it was a great time. You know, I'm a Georgia Tech man through and through. I believe go being able to be the you know quarterback, the captain. I look back at my career like you know it was it was successful. Always willing to do whatever to make the team better, uh, ensuring that I would always uphold the Georgia Tech standard as as being a you know a quarterback and a leader. Just ensuring that we were in a position to continue the tradition. Well, Tevin, I think anybody who viewed it any differently would be crazy considering, again, snapping the lengthy bowl losing streak, playing in an ACC championship game, and taking down a, a top-five Clemson team at Bobby Dodd Stadium. For all those who were there, uh, they'll never forget that night. Uh, Tevin, thank you so much for joining us, uh, and we look forward to seeing you on the sidelines this Saturday. Thank you, Wiley. Looking forward to it. Go Jackets. Go Jackets. Sounds like a plan. Right, when we come back, we'll have Andy Demetra and Sean Bedford join us to break down this week's matchup against the Clemson Tigers, a 3.30 kick at Bobby Dodd Stadium on Saturday. Marshall gets the snap, hesitates, pitches it left, out to Howard. Howard dashes down the sideline, 35-40, gets a block into pit territory at the 40. A Sutter step, an ankle tackled down at the pit 34-yard line in a blink. It was the sophomore Jerry Howard. And that was one of the longer highlights in Georgia Tech's loss to Pittsburgh this past weekend, a big Rush from Jerry Howard on the B-back pitch. You're now joined by the men who broke it down in real time. Andy Demetra, the voice of the Jackets, and Sean Bedford, our color analyst on the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network. And guys, before we get set for Clemson this Saturday, let's briefly take a look back at Tech's ACC opener, a uh, disappointing loss in Pittsburgh. What were your takeaways uh, from last Saturday afternoon? Well, I think the first thing that stood out to me was that Tech got off to a really slow start and dug itself a deep hole. And then just wasn't able to play the high level of football consistently it needed to bring itself back in front of Pitt. Um, you know, it seemed like the Jackets were always just a couple of inches off on some of the connecting on some of those long pass plays that would have made the difference. Uh, it looked like there were some issues with blocking and tackling, particularly in the first half. But uh, one thing that did encourage me a little bit was I saw a team that improved over the course of the game. Now, they didn't quite make it to the finish line, uh, but I did see the the defensive um, front seven, in particular the linebackers, improved their gap integrity dramatically. Uh, I thought the, the run fits were much better in the second half. And offensively, I thought the blocking improved. I thought Tech did a good job of getting the ball out to the perimeter and, and hitting on some of those big runs that were missing in the first half and converting on some of those third downs that were so abysmal in the first half. Hey, I think that was maybe one source of encouragement is that they found their rhythm uh, and some chemistry on offense in the second half. But it was that lack of it, and you can try to point a reason for, for why that was the case in the first half, but they just couldn't get that click and roll the way that we saw them do it against USF. And like you said, Sean, ultimately dug them a big enough deficit that they couldn't overcome, and we know that's something you can ill afford against Clemson uh, this Saturday. One of the trends thus far this year has been the offensive success on the ground between the 20s and moving the ball up and down the field leads the nation in uh, rushing Georgia Tech this year through three games, but obviously points per game, not quite reflective of that. And the Red Sun offense has struggled. Turnovers have been an issue. Is that something that can be corrected? Or is that just you sit there and say, oh, it's been some bad luck here recently and, and just got to keep playing? Well, certainly bad bounces play into that, but I think it is something you can correct. It's something that you can, you can try to coach during the week, but at the end of the day, it comes down to players executing. And so far uh, it seems like when tech is needed, um, a big play at the the most critical moments, they've come up just a little bit short in the last two games. Now, that's not to say that they can't turn that around this week and um, they're going to be facing a tall task as they try to do that, 
but it's just a matter of getting the right mindset, focusing on executing your job to the best of your ability. And I think that is something that you can improve on. And it's something that you just have to have at Eureka moment sometimes where you go out there and you say, wow, we really can do this. And I think tech has been flirting with that also, at least for the last two games. Now it's just time to go ahead and, and make that big play in that big moment. Yeah, when we're talking inside the 20, uh, the area gets compressed. That's where you're trying to deliver in close quarters. And I think there is some additional pressure on an offense uh, to, to execute well and to get that good burst off the ball. We'll see if Georgia Tech can find that coming up this weekend. Uh, the one thing that I, I think is especially magnified once you get inside that red zone, I think, Sean, you would agree, is you've got to be, be productive on first and second down. And it's going to be hard to do against Clemson. Uh, it was hard last year in Death Valley. I looked it up last year, Georgia Tech's average third down distance was 6.9 yards. Um, if you're trying to punch it in and be productive, you got to make sure that you get a good chunk on first down. And, and maybe that's held Georgia Tech a little back once they've gotten inside the red zone. We'll see if that begins to turn around come Saturday. And one other point uh, on that note, Andy, is that so much of Tech's offensive success, particularly on the ground, has come on the edges when they've been able to take that B-back option or get the toss out to the A-backs or hit the A-backs on a pitch. And between the 20s, there's a lot of space to get that done. When you get inside the 20s there and you're in the red zone, there's just not as much space to operate. And so it, it typically helps when you have a force up the middle and when you have a B-back who can just fight for those tough yards. And that's not to say that Tech doesn't, but I think it limits your ability to really hit on some of those big plays to the outside when you get the, the field compressed down there. So this week in particular is going to be a big challenge because Clemson's defensive front is so athletic that you're going to be further limited in what you can do to the outside. Tech's going to have to be able to go to the middle of the formation and really pound the rock. And of course, the other option is, is don't worry about the red zone and, and hit some big home run plays and take them all the way across the goal line. That was something that uh, Clemson does not allow a lot of. In fact, that run by Cervante Benson last year for 65 yards, the longest run Clemson's defense allowed so when it comes to those edges Sean and, and breaking those big plays a lot of the conversation from Clemson's perspective has been okay the secondary is a little bit inexperienced now obviously Tech's not going to go to the air 40 times but is that something you can take advantage of on the perimeter a, a young secondary that you know certainly doesn't have the credentials of the front seven well I think it is because I think it allows you to do two things first I think it gives Tech's wide receivers and a backs a little bit of an advantage in blocking you know we talk all the time about how uh, A-backs and B-backs, the, the hardest thing for them to transition to is blocking. Well, Tech has an experienced backfield that's going to be, that is well-versed in what it takes to block for this offense. Clemson's defensive uh, secondary, on the other hand, might not have that experience, and oftentimes they go through that same uh, learning curve where they have to learn to be physical, to play the run, and to get off those blocks. So I think that favors Tech. The other area where that experience really um, can help Tech is when you get those those defensive backs who maybe don't have as many games under their belt really locked in and focused on stopping the run, it gets a little bit easier to sneak one of those deep passes over the top um, and drop that in over their head to loosen up the defense and hit them for a big play. That's one area where I'm really curious to see if Georgia Tech can hit on on Saturday. It never materialized last year in Death Valley, but can they get a nice pass play over the top and take advantage of Clemson being over-aggressive, moving guys closer to the line. Um, if they can do that, I think that might get Clemson off balance in a way that we didn't see out of them defensively last year. So I'm paying attention to that as the game unfolds on Saturday. Can Georgia Tech go up top and 
drill them for a big pass play. And if that does, what kind of effect might that have on Clemson's sort of self-confidence uh, in lining up and, and taking that part away from Georgia Tech? And I think that's a total team effort by Tech's offense, too, because it's not as simple as, oh, you know, we're just going to drop the quarterback back and hope that he's on the same page as his wide receiver. The biggest issue you run into with trying to take those play-action shots down the field against a team like Clemson is trying to find a way to block that big defensive front <laughs> uh, for enough time for Taquan Marshall to get that pass off. Now, Tech it has the element of surprise usually working in their favor on those play-action passes, but when you're looking at a defensive front four like Clemson's bringing to the table, that can be a tough proposition. So there's going to be a big um, ask of the Georgia Tech offensive line to give Taquan Marshall the time he needs to take advantage of opportunities when that defensive secondary creeps up. So a big opportunity for Georgia Tech taking on number three in the AP, number two in the coaches' ball, the Clemson Tigers. We've got ourselves a 330 kick. That means we're playing uh, out of that noon slot. So my final question is, what do you guys have planned in the morning, sleeping in? Uh, perhaps a Waffle House breakfast. What do we got in mind? I'm going to try to sneak in a little run in the morning, then head over, do a little bit of extra studying, and, uh, you know, wait around, watch some football in the interim, and get to it. I'm going to have a Waffle House breakfast, and you're going to pay for it, Wiley, because that's an outstanding <laughs> idea. <laughs> that's what I'm Either saying. Either way, we'll make sure to be there bright and early, and we'll be ready come 1.30 for pregame. No question about it. Uh, Sean, you, you take care of the exercise and the studying, and Andy and I will uh, enjoy our hash browns and waffles. Sounds like a plan. All right, thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Andy, Demetra, Sean Bedford, they'll have a call for you this Saturday, 3.30 kick. 1.30, our coverage begins on the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network. Georgia Tech in Clemson this Saturday at Bobby Dodd. You've been listening to the From the Flats podcast, brought to you by AT&T, your destination for the latest in Georgia Tech athletics. Be sure to tune into the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network on game day for live coverage and subscribe to this channel to get the latest news on the Yellow Jackets.